Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of Full Exposure with me, your host, Brian Kelly. Well, my next guest is Bridget Clark Whitney. She is the founding CEO of one of the best organizations in the world. It's called Kids Food Basket, and you're going to learn a lot about it and um, what they do and why they do it. But on top of that, Bridget Clark Whitney is so much more than just the head of a multi-million dollar nonprofit organization. She is, um, well, let me just describe what it feels like to sit down with Bridget Clark Whitney for an hour. It sort of feels like if you were meeting a friend for lunch or coffee, but your friend isn't really your friend, your friend is, surprise, a TED Talk. You get to sit down with a real-life TED Talk, pepper it with questions. You get all this inspiration, amazing ideas and insights just thrown back at you. It's like a rocket ship ride for your mind, and she's so inspiring that I can't wait for you to hear this podcast. It's also... Uh, I I said things to her during this podcast that I didn't think I would say in a public forum being this this podcast. I I was raw. I was more honest about a lot of different issues. And that's because she is so authentic that she's able to draw things out of me uh, in a way that uh, just feels natural. It feels safe. And she's doing that for the community in a roundabout, abstract way. And I don't want to beleaguer the point or just labor on about it, but uh, this episode is very special. She addresses um, social justice issues around food and food equity for children. There are a lot of hungry kids in Michigan and around the country, and they are doing their best at Ground Zero to uh, provide sack dinners for children all across Uh, three counties. Uh, They cover a large area. It takes uh, an army of volunteers to do what they do. And Bridget, behind all this, has an amazing story uh, and one that you will find very inspiring. So the great thing about launching this podcast has been that how many questions I'm getting, how many comments are being sent my way via every single platform, phone call, text, IM, DM, You name it, you guys are reaching out to me, you're following on iTunes, you're subscribing, really seen an amazing amount of growth, and we're just getting started. And so I'm overwhelmed with the response. One question that's been asked of me quite a bit, which is a fair question, they said, so how are you sponsoring this? How are you doing this podcast? You seem to be a busy person, you seem to have a career uh, in photography and uh, video production. So how's this happening? And really, uh, I have to just put it as simply as I can. This podcast is purely powered by passion and an idea. It's really funded by um, my businesses. It's funded by Brian Kelly Photography and Film. And you can find out more about what I do there if you go visit briankellyphoto.net and another website that I have called briankellyproductions.com. And you'll see a little bit of a cross-section of my photography work, my video work. Um, I'm very proud to work with many, many local companies, large and small, startups to uh, Fortune 500 companies. So I really work with everybody and anybody I possibly can. So if you're interested in uh, collaborating on a project, would you please reach out to me? And uh, start a dialogue, and we'll figure out if we can work on something together. 
So most of all, I just want to thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for giving this a shot. You know, I didn't know what I'm doing. We still don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to create some cool portraits and extend a conversation that I have with each guest out into the world. I'm fortunate to meet so many great people, so many interesting people, that I wanted to formalize the portrait structure uh, and the conversations that always start during portrait sessions to uh, be able to encapsulate those in some way and put them out into the world. So if you find it interesting, the best thing, the best favor you can do for me is to just share it, talk about it, tell a friend about it, post it on Facebook. We're available on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, and uh, one other big one I can. It's Stitcher. That's the other one, Stitcher. So we're trying to get on every platform where people prefer to listen to podcasts and subscribe. So if we're missing a platform that you use, please let me know. We'll get, make sure the podcast gets on it and it's easier for you to find us and share. So without further ado, uh, here is this invigorating conversation that I had with Bridget Clark Whitney. We're both vulnerable and raw and... Uh, I'll see you on the flip side. I love how you were stretching before the podcast. <laughs> I know. I had like to get a were... good get a good back stretch in there, you know what I mean? Really I'm not just stretching out my body. I really felt like I was stretching out my spirit, my in soul. your mind. You gotta stretch out your mind. <laughs> That's right. You know we go hard on this podcast. That's right, man. I gotta be leveled up to you. Yeah. I, I gotta be leveled up to you. Yeah, I gotta Mr. Keep up. Energy. I'm a big ball mm. of energy. Mm. You know? mm. Let's go. <laughs> Dive right in. Yeah, I know. Level up. Let's get ready. Word. Um but uh, I forget. See, I already forgot. I'm a shitty host. Um, <laughs> uh, it's because you're distracted because I was like, I'm hungry like the wolf. <laughs> I love Duran Duran, by the way. Yeah, yes, good. Come yes. on. Back in the day. All right. I'm, in, I'm an 80s kid. Yeah, word. It was Duran Duran. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't like them at the time. I love them now. Yes. Nostalgia. What is this nostalgia thing? I don't get it. No, no, but like that's cool because like it's like awakening those parts of your brain during like prime development, right? It's like right. it's bringing you back. It's you a know? cry for help to like go back to that time mm. where your body is not just shutting down on you as a 50 year old. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, but it was all those decisions we were making then. This is why our bodies this are shutting down. Breaking, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. right. I'm, this is why I'm trying to reverse age. This is, this is my whole well, goal. Well, you are, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's working. Let's hope that 10 years from now, I didn't try to reverse yeah. age too much. I'm and- a crystal ball to your future. And you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> no. I thought it would be better than this. Oh, Brian, for real though. <laughs> for real. Like, what we, seasons? Seasons. We're you in know? a season. I think that, yeah. that, that I'll likely, I'm sure. Can I describe my season to you? Please, take it away. My, dis- my season right now is... Uh, I'm in the winter sort of storing. I'm in the protection phase mm-hmm, of my mm-hmm. body. So what that means is that I don't mind expanding right now. Yeah. Because I could be on a some type of ice cap. Mm-hmm. Totally. Anytime soon. We live near Lake yes. Michigan. Right. You could find yourself slipping off a pier. Right. On a sightseeing walk. And the next thing you know, you're floating to Chicago and you need to survive. And that's yeah. I'm geared and I'm built for that. And yep. I have the stamina 
to just lay on a piece of ice mm-hmm. and let the blubber around me just protect me from the elements. And I think it's smart. A lot of like yeah. our, we have mutual like friends in the exercise biz. Sure. I have former friends. You have current <laughs> friends. And they would tell you that... That, that I'm CrossFit. N- I'm CrossFit for weather n- right now. Okay. All right. They would also tell you that the, like you're in with them for life. So basically, like all you have to do is be they like, guys... They don't call or text me anymore. Uh, That's, they're sending like, you preliminary messages, though. It's, it's kind... I'm waiting for the intervention where someone will ask me, and then it's going to be Christian and Craig, yeah. and it'll be uh, Chrissy, and it'll be a bunch of people, and my buddy Dave Dyer, and a bunch of... Like, they'll right. just be in a room, and they're like... It's time. Oh, the intervention. Yeah. Yeah, nice. It'll be a fitness intervention. Totally. I might, if you don't mind, do a little inception there and just just plug it, right? Oh, you're gonna hey guys, you're gonna be the catalyst for yeah, that. Yeah, that'd be great. I because I want to be there because it's gonna be a great story to tell, Brian. Like at the for end who? of the day, for you or all for of me, us. because I all don't think us. I'm gonna look at it too fondly. Because you know, story. like in every movie where they have a real intervention with some like heroin addicted person, they're like, wait a minute. Yeah. I thought we were having. Breakfast at, uh, you know, Grand Coney. Mm. And no, I, I thought I was picking you up to go to breakfast, and really all my entire family, my fitness family, is there to go, it's time, Brian. It's time, but we'll probably have ice cream there, right? Yeah. It's dairy As, free, <laughs> dairy free, gluten free. As like a carrot in front of the donkey to get him into rehab. No, is that it, it? it would just be like, let's all gather the energy around Brian, you know? Mm. Let's, now listen, here, here's the thing. I am with you on this like fall on an ice cap thing. I think it's critical that we are prepared for this stuff. So, so yeah. you know, an entire room of my basement would tell you the same story, which is when when the grid goes out or whatever, like you're gonna want to be stuck on a desert island with me because no. I've got stuff that's gonna last for months. Yeah, you've got right. beach balls yeah. and scuba well, gear. I'm, I was talking Probably more like snorkel. water filtration systems. I mean, a little bit of a uh, prepper. More into the world. Yeah, stuff. but what you're describing too is the same thing. It's just preparation for like any 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 you know major disastrous shit hits the fan situation where you're going to be uh, stored up, right? You're, you're, I am stored up. There you go. There you go. I'm a warehouse right now. <laughs> I am a, I am a 400,000 square foot warehouse. It's just a season. It's your season. Is, yeah. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Come it, June, I'll be lean. Yeah, that's right. Do your thing. Shredded. That's right. <laughs> I'll be back six doing pack. like, yeah. Yeah, no yeah, doubt. It's tough already. though to get from one place to the other. And I think that, I think it's adrenals, right? Like I think it's adrenals because, it, you know, just to even have that energy to like get into it or even put yourself in that mental space where it's like, I'm going to go yeah. work out. Like you really have to be like, you know, have like good solid adrenals right. to be able to take you there, you know? No, I'm with you. And yeah. I, I went through a period and you've gone through a journey, which I yes. want to actually put this on you, not me just whining about things. <laughs> But uh, I didn't bring you here so I could just like dump my problems on you, dude. I, I'm, I'm bring it on. Let's talk. Let's wax poetic. No, on but anything. you've had an incredible transformation and fitness journey. But let me just tell you, back to the adrenal, something happened. But like I went so hard for two years, yeah. did amazing, got yeah. really shredded, lost like eighty pounds, and then something in me just said, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I got, I burned out mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah, and then I was like, you know, it was just a, a different type of. Uh, I don't know what, how the how I still am struggling with how did the how did I pull the rug out from that because it wasn't from a lack of like wanting to do yep. it it's just I couldn't do it anymore I don't right. know where that is no that's a good that's a really good thing to think about though right because like what was the cause like what was the impetus like what was the what was the burning platform and like the, if you can figure out the burning platform you could probably like I'll be you know navigate through well, because like <laughs> navigate through it <laughs> let's find some product but it could have been your adrenals I know when I started this whole fitness journey I didn't. 
start, or not even fitness journey, health journey. Yeah. That's what it is, right. health journey. Or, you know, my reverse aging goal, right? Yeah. But, like, I did not start with fitness at all. I only started with food and, like, self-care and, like, walking and not even walking. Yeah. Just it was the food piece for, like, a good four or five months. And then I started with the, like, actual... Yeah. Like hardcore, not even hardcore. Hardcore for me, maybe like three to four times a week max. Yeah. Working out. Um, in yeah, like, I was going like six to seven days a week. Dang, bro, yeah. that's a real deal. See, you could have gotten some adrenal fatigue on that. Maybe. I mean, worth looking it it's up. It's a real thing. Yeah, it's a real thing. It is real to me now. And actually, if you have adrenal fatigue, this is now we're really podcasting, right? right? If you have adrenal fatigue, what I've read is your adrenals can act in such a way that they're sending off so much. I think it's the cortisol that your body actually does the reverse and gains weight if. If you have adrenal fatigue and you're working out really hard. Why would my body do that to me? I, I, listen, Why I, is it like, psych, can't do that anymore? I, I, I don't got you there. I, no. I could probably make something up right now, but considering people are going to listen to this. passive aggressive against yeah. me. Is yeah, why yeah. It's like, it is another thing that I'm fighting outside of my brain. Mm. And it has its own thing. Mm. But enough about that. Bridget Clark, <laughs> thank you for coming and doing this podcast. Now, I'm very grateful to be here. You know that I, I, I dig the studio. I dig the energy that you guys bring in here. And, and, and you we, know, I think your work is the best. Well, stop. It's stop. amazing. But we did just do a photo shoot. Yeah. Do you like being photographed? It was powerful. Do you like the, do you like the process? Because uh, you're photographed a lot in your role because you're a very public figure. What's your mindset around just photography? Wow, thanks for asking that. You know, okay, so I really believe in like the relationships and the rapport and like the energy you have with people that are taking pictures. And it's so, a real thing. yeah, and and I and I have like a deep appreciation and love for art. And so, people who have this way that they can intersect um, art and relationships, I, I I have like a deep respect for that, and it excites me. Yeah. And so, anytime I'm with someone that can do that, I get really excited and really energized. Like I walked in this morning, and 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 I was like. I'm so effing excited to be here. Yeah. And it's true because I just, I, I see that in you, Brian. Like you're able to take these amazing relationships and this rapport that you have with people all over the community and your relationship with community, right? You take that and then you infuse it into your art and you create something. So that right. gets me, that gets me thrilled, right? Like I love enthusiasm and like that you have enthusiasm for your art. Well, that's all very nice. Thank you. I appreciate all that you said. Um, but I, the, a successful portrait is really just, uh, there has to be something the subject can give to the photographer. Mm -hmm. And so I found that I photographed you three, four times probably in the last... Three, four um, delightful times. I can tell you the first time. Really? Exactly. Where was that? May 2007. What? Isn't that crazy? I know. I don't even remember that. At the old Kids Food Biscuit building um, on the west side by John oh, Bell yes. Park. Oh, yes. Now I remember. And yeah. you uh, um, did my shoot for an article. And it was... And I still love that picture. It was like still know. one See, of my that, very favorite so ones ever. down. Because that publication, I do two or three shoots a week. And it was yeah. like super run and gun. It was amazing, though. You took it from like above and there was like me and like all these like fresh fruits and vegetables. Sounds very editorial. Yeah, it was beautiful. Sounds it was beautiful. <laughs> so I loved it. So thank you. So that was my number one experience. And you're right. There have been like three or four since then. Well, in the last couple of times you spoke at Failure Lab and I did oh, yeah. a portrait of you there. And that's a, a different environment and a different sort of thing. But today I was thinking that um, I knew you were going to wear black. Oh, yeah. 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 Yep. yep. That's because the thing. Because that's the thing. 
but uh, for you. And there's like loads of like deep seated, very specific strategized reasons for that. Like it's not just like a. Well, tell me about your wardrobe. uh, Are you sure? You You want to go down that path? You have a strategy? I totally have a strategy. Let's hear the strategy strategy. around a wardrobe. Well, okay. So, first off, like there's, my master's is in social justice. And the professors in my program used to wear all black as like a symbolism of solidarity. And mourning for the current state of affairs. (laughs) Well, this was like even before the current state. I mean, obviously, but like, it, yes, but it was in solidarity with oppression around the world. And like, that's cool and edgy, really? right? And yeah. I did, so that's cool. Yeah. Like all black in solidarity. Like I recognize, right? Like yeah. I am awakened to the problems, which is really woke being, you know, my yeah. husband's always like, can you stop using that term? <laughs> right. But like, well, that it, I think, yeah, there's the sort of the, the woke sort of version that everyone's like, All right, you know, there's, you can play with that just in kind of. A slang term. Yeah. But everybody needs an awakening. An awakening. Exactly. So like in wearing all black, I am awakened to the oppression around the world. And like I symbolize that with how I choose to dress. So like that was how I first started it was was for that purpose. And then and then it became I realized that it really became like a part of who I was. And I think branding is important. We all need to be authentically ourselves. Wearing all black is authentically me. That's part of my brand. All right. And then and then as I continue to level up. So so the next piece of it is that it is automated decision making. And so when you don't think, uh, when you don't have to think about your yeah. wardrobe, you're automating a decision. And so, you know, um, as, a, as a mom and of, of little kids and as a CEO, I have to make decisions all day and big yeah. decisions and things that take a lot of thought and things that affect thousands and thousands of people and have, you know, strong ripple effects, right? Yeah. I need to think about all these things. And, and it's, it's critical to me that I don't run into decision-making fatigue right. and that I have enough mental capacity and space for those big decisions. And so I automate the decisions that are smaller and yeah. I automate the decisions that don't, um, that, 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 well, I don't even need to decided, think about it. You right. don't have to decide it anymore. So that's yes, very smart exactly. when you're time managing because yes. you're like, I know I'm going to wear one of these, uh, you know, four jeans yes. or whatever it is. And then this, this I get a plethora of jackets. Right. They're all in the same wheelhouse. You're not like, oh my gosh, where's my yellow top for this? Exactly. Yellow is not an option. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. It's these are my sets and this decision has already been made. And so I don't need to use my brain yeah. capacity, my mental capacity in that place. It's already been decided. And so I have found that the more I can do this and I do it with what I make for my kids for dinner, if I'm doing that. Wait a minute. You yeah, told right. me, what is the limit? <laughs> Tell me, you told me earlier yeah. during the shoot. That you can only cook one thing. I am, yeah. Li- and what is that? This is brutal honesty here, yeah, Brian. This is like raw Let's level BCW down time. to this level. Fine. All right. I, I, I'm just going to come out with it. I have many skill sets. Cooking is not one. Uh, so if, if I am in charge of dinner, which is usually only one to two times a week, um, and, and, and that's because, you know, I've, I've, a, we share, everybody shares, shares you're, responsibilities. You're hedging. Right? You're hedging. All right, Let's all right, get all right. to the... Let's get down to it. I make really amazing scrambled eggs and smoothies. Okay. And that's about my... That's, that's, I love it. I, I would come to your dinner at your house. Word. I could make other things than that if I set my mind to it. True. Let's be honest. Yeah. I do not believe that becoming an expert in that in that skill set is my best yes. And I'm all about my best yes. The I'm all about spending yes. my time in Where my best yes. Where does that come from, best yes? Because um, that sounds like a Seth Godin sort of like some kind of mind. 
I'm saying it in yeah. a positive way. Yeah. It's like some contemporary thinker came up with, come up with the best yes, because you can't say yes to everything is what you're saying. I totally get that, and I'm sure some amazing contemporary thinker well, came I'm up with it. I'm now appropriating I, no it doubt. just like you did, and I'm not crediting anybody else about it. I would credit, but but I, I mean, if I'm going to credit, it's going to be Afton DeVos, our COO. It gets oh, food basket. Afton. I mean, she's, she's the one. She and I, she's like an incredible partner. We are incredible partners yeah. together. So hedge, let's, for, yeah. for not for me, because we know each other, but you're the founding CEO yes. of Kids Food Basket. So tee up that, and then we'll get back to Afton and the partnerships it requires to run this organization. So the elevator pitch that you give all the time for KFB, what is it? Kids Food Basket is what? Yes, awesome. So yes, founding CEO at Kids Food Basket. Um, I'm in my 17th year Se- no. of leading the organization. Um, I'm 38, so I've been doing this since I was a senior in college. And I mean, it's an incredible privilege and honor to do this work. We are continuing to evolve as an organization. Our goal is around food equity. Our goal is making sure that every child has the nutritious tools that they need to be their best, both in school and in life. And we believe that that every child has a right to healthy, nourishing food. We believe that healthy food is a right, not a privilege. So and that's it's, the platform. What's is. the action? Because yeah. that's what people always blows people away right. is how you fulfill that. So how do you go about, oh, it's great. Okay, great, Bridget. Yep. Kids should have food equity. I'm on board. How are we going to solve this thing? And what do you guys do physically every day to help make sure kids have exactly what they need? Exactly. And this is what I feel is making such a huge impact what we do is access. So every single day, we are delivering healthy evening meals, healthy sack suppers, they're called. They're bags full of fresh fruits and vegetables, healthy snacks, healthy dairies, healthy proteins. We deliver them to children. It's barrier-free access, access to healthy fresh fruits and vegetables, access to healthy food that kids may not otherwise have access to. Yeah. And, and that's what, you know, poverty is barriers, right? right. Kids who well, are in poverty. Because I don't think, let's, because when I first heard about Kids Food Basket, which has been a long time, mm-hmm. you know, since probably I it shot has. you, you know, in 2007, yeah. seven. Seven, eight, right? Uh, I didn't realize that kids in Kent County and now you service surrounding counties as well are hungry. And then it, it, it was an awakening in that, if you connect the dots to many other problems that kids face, if the baseline is you're hungry, you're not concentrating in school, you may end up, uh, you know, I'm taking an example, you might uh, steal some food from a candy store or uh, wherever down the street. I mean, decisions based on hunger, you can't, you know, there's consequences for that and it's not their fault, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, there's systems in place. So, yeah, you have petty criminal charge and they end up, anyway, I'm going down the wrong road. But it's the point You're is, right. yeah. but you can't yeah. sit through a day at school if you haven't had a meal. Exactly. Teachers can't teach and kids can't learn when they're hungry. Yeah. And that's the truth. But, but hunger, poverty causes hunger and poverty is a result of hunger. Hunger is both a symptom of poverty and a cause of poverty. And that's, that's the real problem is poverty, right? Yeah. And, and, and hunger is something that it, it can prevent children from reaching their full potential, right? It can prevent brains from being developed fully. Sure. It can put kids in situations where they have really difficult behavioral issues and sicknesses and truancy, right? Yeah. And lack of ac- academic progression. Sure. Like there is so many results that come from hunger. When kids have access to healthy food every day, they have more 
opportunity. They have more potential. Well, it automates one decision for them. They're not hungry. Yes. How about that? Yes. How about that as a host? That word, bro. That is so good. And it's true. This is not my fifth interview. It's like the 500. It's true, though. That reminds me of a story. Um, I met a teacher one time. I had a kid's food basket fundraiser, and she's a teacher at at one of our... um, East Side Elementary Schools in Grand Rapids. And she told me how um, she was going to quit teaching and how teaching was just, you know, teachers are, are quitting at record rates. And she said the behavior in her classroom was so difficult. She had so many behavior class issues in her classroom that it, she was done. She was done with her career. And she, she told her partner that she was going to be done at the end of the year. And she might even be done in the middle of the year. And Kids Food Basket was on their waiting list. And then um, that January, we took that school off of our waiting list. It was January. And we started serving her school healthy, nourishing meals each and every weekday, starting in January. And I met her in March. And she told me that she realized it only took her between January and March to realize that there was not a behavioral issue in her classroom, that there was a hunger problem in her classroom. Amazing. Right? Like, that is so big. Can you... Yeah, also explain for the audience how you fulfill these. These are sack suppers. So you have all these volunteers that make thousands and thousands and literally thousands and thousands. Yes, exactly. And thousands yeah. of lunches every week. Yeah, and it's dinners. It's and, dinners. Uh, well, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I'm but sorry. But it looks yeah, like lunches. Yeah, it yeah, looks sack, yeah, uh-huh. sack dinner. Uh-huh. But... Um, it requires an army of volunteers Word, yes. and a delivery system that's complicated and getting it into the kids' hands yes, and into yes. their buses and then, you know, uh, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. So explain the explosive growth of this idea because it just kills me in society that we have this problem mm-hmm. and it takes an organization like Kids Food Basket mm-hmm. to address it as a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. We're talking yeah. about... Poverty and fit. we're talking about baseline human rights, a right to eat yep. and not be hungry. Right. I can't imagine being hungry. I mean, look at me. I don't go hungry for uh, five seconds. Well, and it's, and it's that, that your time is into your craft and your craft is making the world better in your way, right? And, and we, all, we all work through our journey in, in different ways. And I think, so, so going back to what you said about how we're able to get thousands and thousands yeah. of meals. We are one of the largest volunteer, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the largest volunteer programs in, in the country. And we have 250 volunteers a day, 200 different, yeah. 250 different volunteers a day. And they are making meals, they're delivering meals to schools, right? And, and every time a child gets a meal in their hand, it's not a Band-Aid. We are literally changing the system because we are providing access to healthy, nourishing food, which is breaking down barriers and helping kids reach their full potential. It's critical. But the way in which we've done this, because we're not funded by the government, we're not funded by government dollars. Our programming, each one of those meals is charitably funded, funded by our community and people that care deeply about food equity, people that care deeply about kids having the right and kids having access to healthy food, right? Mm -hmm. So, So what we've realized is that You can't do something of this magnitude, 8,000 meals a day, without building a movement. And so we have, yes, Everyday Kids Food Basket is providing food and and getting food into kids' hands. And that's our mission. But our mission is also building a movement. And the building of the movement also needs resources and capacity. Because we need to make this a community-engaged organization. Anyone from anywhere can be a part of making sure the world is a better place. Right. 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 And... uh... 
I think that's huge because one, I, I love talking to you because it's so your energy and this is why you lead this organization and this effort because you're so um, just on fire for this and you articulate it in such a way that doesn't blame anybody. Like I can, like we can all point to whatever systems, it doesn't help. You know, we can affect maybe something down the road. I don't want to get down a sidetrack, but is affecting some type of policy change around this stuff in a governmental right. sort of access and changing some systems that are consistently a problem. But you articulate so well and you're able to motivate. So you're doing 250, I just want to clarify, 250 volunteers a day. Tomorrow there's 250 other volunteers. Right. These aren't. Right. So right. the by osmosis through these people going out in the community, they're spreading the word. They're getting more awareness for Kids Food Basket to the point now where you've outgrown this incredible facility you have now and you're building. So I want to just like, I want to encapsulate Kids Food Basket so people know right away uh, your perspectives on some things and then we can meander into all kinds of stuff. But um, explain what's exciting about this growth and the impact it's having on the community such that you are building an amazing growing facility for fresh food and also packing and warehousing and distribution of this stuff to yes. feed hungry kids in, where are you? Kent County, Ottawa County, Muskegon County? Boom, right on. Boom. You're Trifecta, right on. Nice. Tri-County. Hostess with the most. Yeah. Killing it. That's exactly right. My tagline and- is uh, great guests, mediocre hosts. Oh, okay. That's my tagline. <laughs> I nailed that one, though. Listen, I, here's, what, here's what you're doing, though. You're just blowing that expectation way out of the water. Yeah. See, there you go. You know, leave <laughs> it low, right? And then blow it out of the water. I'm going to have to change the tagline. Blow the, blow the expectation out of the water, because you are. You are an amazing host. Um, yes, this is, that's all accurate. Everything you said, thank you for, for bringing that up. We're very thrilled to be developing the last remaining farmland in all of Grand Rapids City proper. It's a 10-acre piece of farmland. We're growing fresh fruits and vegetables, chemical-free, sustainable, and we're teaching kids on the farm how to grow food. Bottom line, when kids grow it, they eat it. When they understand where it comes from and why it's important for their bodies and they are empowered to grow it, they eat it. That's, that's so critical, it's right? It's fun to eat if you grow it. It is. Yeah. And you know, um, we're, one of the reasons we're moving out of our facility currently, our lease is up. We've always been renters. And that facility, while is you know been great for us, uh, lease is up and um, we're program locked. So every day I wake up, every day, and, and you know this is emotional for me, we have 15 schools on a wait list, on a yeah. wait list, right? If you walked in, which... Gosh, I hope you do, Brian. With you know five million dollars tomorrow, and you say, "Hey, I want to take all those schools off a wait list." My answer to you is that I we might can't. Need a couple more weeks, right? Okay. Up with five million. Good, good to know. Good to know. But but my answer is we can't. Not yeah. this space because we're we're actually program locked. We don't have any more space for people to park. Yeah. We don't have any more space for yeah, meals. Capac- right? You have no more capacity. It, it, physical capacity. And so that is. And then we, you know we looked around Kent County and, and we we looked around to find a new headquarters. The bottom line was there any wasn't anything that could fit our needs, which was a place to teach kids how to grow and a place to grow and a place to, to grow in the meals that we were providing. There wasn't anywhere to do that that was centrally located. And being close to the schools we serve is critical yeah. in order to be able to do the best service. And so staying in town, staying in the city, staying in the middle of the county is critical. We found this beautiful piece of farmland, and so we are building the, the building next door. Yeah. And, and, and the goal is to be a nutrition hub, right? Yeah. Both this farmland and this building, to be a nutrition hub here in West Michigan, definitely to chip away at that waiting list 
Coast to teach kids, thousands of kids, where food comes from, why that's important, why they need to make healthy food choices for their body lifelong, right? right? And to be a place where we can work in an intersectionality. This is really important. Working in an intersectionality of what the community that what the community needs from us and what we're good at. Yeah. And that's where we want to grow. The intersection of what Grand Rapids needs and what Kent County needs and what Muskegon needs in Ottawa County and what Kids Food Basket is good at and food access to all. And work in that intersection, right, and grow there. Yeah. And that's super important for us is to have a space to be able to do that. And, and that's the goal. That's what's happening So when now. is all that coming online? I know you were yeah. growing food last year right. into harvest. Totally in test phase, which yeah. was awesome. Um, worked out really well. We, we grew 87,000 individual serving sizes of fresh fruits and vegetables last summer. 87,000 in our test summer, which was amazing. So this summer, um, growing fruits and vegetables and and starting, you know, we'll be starting on that land probably at the end of this month and and growing all the way until the beginning of October. Um, The goal is to be in the building by the end of summer and to be uh, uh, welcoming the community into the space to increase nutrition access into early fall. Okay. So I want to want, I admire you as a leader and as a thinker in this space. Thank you. And it requires this passion and energy that just fuels you and may consume you at times in ways that are unhealthy because you're so passionate about it. I'm so passionate. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. But where did that go? So you've been doing this. So you're 21 when you started this. Yeah, 22. 22. Yeah. 22. Yep. Yep. Like, where are you out of college? Like, what what sort of impact? What kind of story is there behind? what you went to college for of a social justice major. Yeah. And where 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 is that where does that ignite? Like yeah. where does that flame come from? Because now it's a forest fire. So Thank where's you. the flame? Thank you. Yeah, you know what? And it doesn't dim. It doesn't dim. Like I feel so pulled and called to this work, right? To equity work. And and it's just a part of who I am. It's like my DNA. That that every day it is I, I am so on fire for this work and for the people who are engaged in this work and making the organization better and, 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 and sharing the message and the vision and the goals with as many people as possible. Like I just, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm hungry for, I'm hungry to, to um, create this movement that is all about social justice, right? And yeah. um, so where did you I- grow, Where did you grow up? Right, I, I was I born in Pittsburgh. Know. I'm from Pittsburgh. I'm from Pittsburgh originally. How long oh, were you in what Pittsburgh? A, you know, go Pens. Um, I was, we were in Pittsburgh until the late 80s. And so I was only there until I was um, eight. And, but it was just a really, you know, important part of my life. And I have just great memories. We still have lots of family there and really lots of close friends and friends that were like family. I love and so, Pittsburgh, by the way. I've done a couple projects there and I was always blown away by Pittsburgh. And it has a correlation for me to Grand Rapids in that. Yeah. I didn't have really high expectations for Pittsburgh when I went there, and it blew me off the map. Yeah, and it's the same great. thing happens when people visit Grand Rapids. Totally. I think it's like they have the, like, oh. whatever they've never heard of it, or they're like, I have no idea, and then they get here and they're like, holy cow, yeah, there's stuff going on. I've uh, all three cities that I've lived in: Pittsburgh, Detroit, Grand Rapids. Those are my my three cities, and all three of them I just love deeply with like yeah. a deep passion. And it, talk, it gets back to setting the bar low for people's expectations, yeah, which good I one. do every good day, one. Yeah. which is like. Set the bar low uh-huh. and then just exceed expectations. Well, in both Pittsburgh, that's really not my business platform. But anyway, it's something to think about. <laughs> you blowing people out of the water. How about that? Let's yeah. think about it. Glass half that's full. That's my new Ryan. tagline. 
let's think about it, glass half full, blowing people out of the water, <laughs> unexpected genius, right? Like surprisingly like magnificent. Like like surprisingly magnificent is really good. Just, you know, it. blow people out of the water. That's good. That could be part of your branding. It's just your, your delightful surprise with everything yeah. you're going to get from the BK experience. Yeah. It's an experience. The it BK really experience. Let's talk about it because everything is experience. Every, let's get into yeah. that, actually. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, so back to Pittsburgh real quick, and then I love the experience. The BK experience is what's up. Um, so Pittsburgh, loved it. Still have lots of family there. Uh, but when I was there, um, you know, my parents, I, my parents are, are, have been part of the social justice movement. My dad is a criminal defense attorney okay. and has worked, you know, my whole life. This make, it's all starting to make sense yeah. because I have a, my, fa- my uncle-in-law, my wife's uncle, uh, was a public defender for yeah, many years. Right. And they yep. just have a different they mindset. Do. They know? do. They, they see the world very, they yeah. have a deep understanding of they poverty. They see the inequity every day exactly. walks into their office. Yes. My, and now my brother does it. So my dad and my brother work together. They have their, their own firm and they work specifically are they, where are they? in criminal defense work, in criminal defense appellate work. They're in Detroit okay. and they're Clark and Clark and they're the Clark, the, the Clarks, you know, is how yeah. they're related, but, or how they are referred. But they work with people who have been victimized by institutionalized poverty, yeah. right? And by systemic racism mm-hmm. and and you know oftentimes young men who have been victims of the system since a very very young age and you know who have maybe made choices at a very young age because they were trying to survive right and because of that have been in the systems and now they are working to get them lives yeah. I mean my, my brother had a case recently where you know it was it was a young man that had been put in prison at 16 for life right and and he was able to um, get him in an appeals uh, get him through appeals court and he won his case and now he has a, a new lease in life, right? Like that's unbelievable. Anyway, so that is what I grew up with my, my father yeah. doing. If that's it, your perspective on the world, yeah. then it's, I'm not saying it doesn't require your own thinking on the subjects, but like it, it definitely creates a path for you yeah. that seems open and possible because other people might have a different environment and they go, I understand these things abstractly are a problem, but right. I, don't, I don't really see a nuts and bolts way forward. And you saw your your father and now your brother are, are on sure. the front lines of that, much like you're on the front lines right. of your own social justice cause. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And they so, do that in a way that, that is their skill sets, aligned with their skill yeah, sets. Right. And I feel like I'm you know aligned with mine. Um, but my parents very, very, very socially progressive and deep hearts for social justice, very passionate about it. So that's how I grew up. We moved to Detroit. And, and in moving to Detroit as a young person, saw a lot of inequity, right? Like you yeah. just see it. And there's this very clear, distinct line between Gross Point and Detroit. Oh, yeah. And my whole life that's affected me where there's a, there's literally a traffic light. And on one side of the traffic light, like lawns are manicured and houses are beautiful and then right along the lakeshore, right? And it's just, you know, everybody's happy and everybody's white. Right, yeah. and then you cross this traffic light, and, and especially in the '80s, and it's in, in the community is, um, I think, you know, become gentrified in a way, and also has had a lot of capacity put into it since then. But in, in the '80s, there would be this very clear division, and to understand the racial inequity that existed there in Detroit and how segregated Detroit was, really. I think sparked a rage in me, even yeah. as a young person, as a high school person, sure. and I really committed to work in social justice because that that image, right? Like that scene and understanding what that meant, what that was a metaphor for, right. and that that was existing all over our country. Right. That inequity um, sparked sparked a fire in me to yeah. work for uh, to work for social justice for everyone, for for okay. justice for everyone. I I hesitate to stop your train of thought, but I wanted to talk about Detroit a minute because I have a lot of experience in Detroit. I've shot personal projects there. And part of my personal awakening of a sub-theme of this, our 
conversation today is sort of like awakenings into what we are, you know, have shaped us. One was just getting to know the people in Detroit proper and that those are the most devastated parts of Detroit. They were the most economically right. fragile and That's it's right. 82 or 83% African-American. Exactly. And it's and the way that the school systems are are at a detriment because of the property tax implications of how schools are funded it's interlocked right. you can't have declining property values and schools have to cut they have to cut their budgets that's right so you can't hire teachers you can't you have all this attrition like it's this perpetuating thing and all the suburban schools in uh, all over, throughout that county are racially different property values are different that's right and so you're trapped is That's my right. point. Yep. But um, but people don't realize the residue of these these older systems. And I'm not even saying, maybe I am, but there was a system that, that was sort of intentional in keeping things that way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now it doesn't seem like it's as intentional. Right. It's just a collateral damage from this old system, which was very much divided around and segregated around racial politics and boundaries and neighborhoods so exactly so and take however you want to take that but that's like that was one awakening was like totally oh i understand how this is happening now because i think white guy me 10 years ago was well they're just not working hard they should go get a job and if there's illiteracy in detroit which is a huge problem is the schools aren't good and there's there's perpetuating problem then you're not employable so me just as 10,000 feet was like, oh, they just, you know, American dream, work harder, everybody's self-destiny. It's like, no, their destiny was decided before they hit kindergarten. Oh my gosh. And, and it is, I mean, poverty is generational. Yeah. Poverty is generational. And, you know, we see that here in Grand Rapids too. I, it is the, the institutionalized poverty and racism that exists in Detroit. I mean, it runs so deep and it's, and it's so historic and we are now in 2019 in a place where our, our, all of our generations are way more awakened, and, and media has a lot to do with this, right? And just a deeper understanding of, of how we got to that point. We, people are becoming more and more awakened. We have the you know, brilliant young people who are innovating. We have amazing uh, nonprofits and, and um, philanthropic partners who are investing just gigantic, beautiful resources into the city and into the state that are working to dismantle these issues. However, these are some of our society's most pressing problems, and it takes time. It's a marathon, not a sprint. But it is beautiful to see all of the energy, both around around the systemic issues in Detroit and in Grand Rapids. There's so much enthusiasm and energy and positivity and resources, right? But because it's so deep-seated and it's so historical, it is a marathon, not a sprint. And so this is work that is long. It is hard. Social justice work was never meant to be easy, right? It's never meant to be easy, but that is that is the great part too is that we are building movements and continuing to rally people around this and and that we have so much more available resources and people who are awakened to the problems yeah. and because so many people are awakened to the problems we can create movements that are unstoppable and and that's you know I'm a diehard optimist and that's the way I see it is that we are on fire the state is on fire we are doing good there's there's good every time you look, right? Like you can turn a corner and Google search anything and there's good things that are happening in these in this state, right? On both sides of the yeah. state, especially in these areas where there has previously been so much, um, 
so much oppression. Well, and I think that that enthusiasm and this fire is contagious and it spreads through people like you. Like it doesn't spread through most people. Like most of us have our own silos of interest and silos of passion. But it's people like you who are at the top of this thing sort of um, really shaping and being visible about these problems and articulating the problems that people that like me and other people or suburban people or whoever it might be are like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize kids are hungry in Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the majority of people don't really yeah. understand because they don't have that background. They've never had that deficit. Sure, yeah. And that's, that's you know, we throw in a lot of data here. Um, 30,000 kids just in Kent County struggle with food insecurity. Here's a visual. Fill up the Van Andel Arena three times over. That's how many kids struggle with food insecurity in one Daily, county. Every minute of their lives. That's in one the county. Thing. It's not just that you can't just say, oh, right. that. No, every minute they're, they're at a deficit from just a food basis. That's right. All of these snow days, um, kids weren't getting meals at school. 49,000 children in Kent County, the county we're in right now, 49,000 children receive free or reduced school lunch. Okay. Yeah. So you made a post yep. about that uh, recently that that caused... Um, uh, you know, heightened concern around that area in that time. Mm-hmm. And again, this is where you bring perspective and, uh, you know, more, greater understanding of a problem is those kids didn't go to school, which That's means right. they didn't get a sack dinner that night. Right. So breakfast, lunch, yeah. sack dinner, yeah. 8,000, at least uh, 8,000 children. They missed all their meals those days, many of them, or many they had to rely on whatever they could get right. from their home. In our emergency food provision, so we did emergency food at 15 different locations around um, nine of them uh, here in, in Kent County and um, the remaining six on the Lakeshore. And uh, between those 15 distribution locations, we distributed 10,000 meals in three days of emergency food distribution. 10,000 meals in the midst three days. of a winter vortex yeah. and horrible snow exactly. and brutal cold yeah. and it didn't matter. You got, the, no. you got out what you could get. That out. is just what we do at Kids yeah. Food Basket. It's who we are. I mean, yeah. my staff, our team, they were driving around in their 1996 Honda Civics, right? They were driving around in their, in their 2002 Ford Focuses in this weather to make sure that there were that there was food for people all over the city. Like that's, we showed up because we care very deeply. And, you know, we were getting phone calls right and left from teachers, from families saying, what can we do? Is there anything that you can do? Are you open? Can you help us, right? Right. We're going to respond because that's who we are. And we're going to do it in a way that we know how to do it best, which is creating a movement around the work, engaging people in the work and getting access to good, healthy, nourishing food, giving access. That's who we are. And so in, in whether it's crisis or day to day, we're going to do it. And I, yeah, I was really, really, really proud of our team. Everyone did um, incredible work. And I was, you know, proud of our, our, our community and grateful, very grateful for our community sure. and all the, the support that we got through that. And it's an important talking point. We have 49,000 kids just in one county that, that weren't receiving the meals that they needed. And so these are really big numbers. But again, hunger is a symptom of poverty yeah. and it's a cause of poverty. Our unemployment rate, people will say to me, oh, Bridget, you know, our, our unemployment rate is really low right now. Like, I don't really get that. You know, why are there so many kids that, that are in poverty? Well, it's not necessarily families where there aren't working parents. Right. We have people who are underemployed, yeah. right? Our Alice workers, asset limited, income constricted, compl- employed. And we have thousands and thousands of people in this community that are in that situation. They cannot make ends yeah. meet, right? They're doing all the things that they should. Then me, going back to what I was saying, oh, you just need to work harder or pick up another yep. job or, you know, bootstrap it through. They're already bootstrapping. That's right. That's and they right. can't from... Poverty is expensive. Yeah. yeah. It's, it is. It's, that's a difficult place to be. And that's one of the reasons why we continue to grow. Yeah. 
Well, I want to, sh- I think we hit Kids Food Basket yeah. really yeah. hard. I know, I mean, that's your brand and identity is this mission because, you know, everybody knows you as the, the leader and catalyst for that organization. And, but I want to know more about, you have your own food journey yeah. and things, and you've made this amazing transformation the last three or four years Thank now you. between that and changing some things. And, and I actually knew you, um, actually, I think, did I set you up with Craig, the fitness guy? Did I recommend him? Or Our mutual friend, Chrissy did. She's going to love the shout oh, out. She's yeah. going to love that shout out. Chrissy. But as soon as I met our amazing mutual but friend, Craig. But I validated Craig, yes. her. I didn't yes. say Chrissy doesn't know what she's talking about. Craig is good because Craig was training. He's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. That whole crowd is fantastic. Shout Chrissy, out. Chrissy Haney. Um, but yes, so I have been, and actually, um, my journey with Craig started two years ago, um, in June. So not quite two years ago, but my journey, my health journey really started in early winter, um, of 20, uh, 2016 and, um, 20, uh, it really goes back a long time until since I was a kid, really I had inflammatory issues and inflammatory issues are, you know, oftentimes caused by a leaky gut, right. And in something that's triggering inflammation in your body. And sure. for me, a lot of that has centered around my thyroid and it's very common for women. Um, it's not very common for, for children to have that, but I have it on both sides of my family and I, you know, I had some, some leaky gut issues as a child. And so that triggered this inflammation for me, which has been a part of my life my whole life. Like I can look back to pictures of myself in high school, you know, with like a a lot of puffiness in my face. Like clearly it was being affected by it then. And I did not get my arms around it. I did not. I'm reverse aging back to your state in high school. Yeah. (laughs) With the puffiness. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You know, I keep saying reverse aging because I don't feel like I was, um, you know, ever, and, and my parents always had healthy food in the house, thank goodness, you know, because I think that that probably kept my inflammation at bay more than it would have been. Um, but, you know, I do have food allergies and food sensitivities that, that none of this was realized until later. And so this is actually good for, for listeners, I think anyone who has inflammatory issues, yeah, because, right. th- you know, it can be triggered by something that we may not know we have and triggered by something that happens years and years and years in the past. And so, um, for me, it, you know, it's a lot of it centered around my thyroid, but then um, inflammatory issues are like if you take a football field and fill it with mousetraps and then you drop a ping pong ball yeah. in that football field full of mousetraps and it just goes boom, 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 boom. And that's what inflammatory issues are like in your body and that's how they affect, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's a building, um, how, how it affects itself. And so um, for me, uh, once I had a baby in 2012, it, all of that ramped up and I had more inflammatory issues then having a second baby. But at the time so when I... got really sick. I got really, really sick. sick. I got really sick. You know, I almost died. Yeah. Um, in, in 2015... But tell me... T- but don't just brush over, I almost <laughs> died. Like, it's like, you know, can I have another cup of coffee, right. please? <laughs> I mean... All right. So, I mean, yeah, you're, si- you're, you're, you're so sick with this. It brings you down. I imagine sort of gradually, but you're just getting to a point where you... So tell me, like, what was that part like what were the the yeah how, how did you get to a point where it was that critical and I'm not saying that in a blame way but what are the the chain of events that happened that got you down there yeah um so I'm running this organization and and you know we're a charitably funded nonprofit which is different than being a nonprofit that that you know brings in an income like, like Goodwill for example brings in an income or that is funded by the government charitably funded means you constantly have to be 
raising money and constantly need to be creating trust and creating, um, uh, you know, just really strong platforms of credibility and be out there and branding to be able to bring in enough resources to make your organization work, right? And so that has always been um, a lot of pressure and and it's and it's very joyful for me too. I, it's yeah. so much joy in being able to serve that way. Um, but doing that and, and needing to put my whole life into that was my life. And then I, you know I had a baby and um, realized that I also had to be a parent. And so now it's it's all of the the responsibility that comes along with feeding thousands of kids a day, raising the money for that. And having always, always multiple schools and thousands of kids on a wait list. Yeah. Tremendous amount of pressure. Add a baby to that. I mean, you're hitting all the stress yeah. boxes. You know what I mean? Like for... Right. You know, running an organization, building an organization. Yeah. I've never had another job. Yeah. So I had to learn how to run a multi-million dollar organization, learn how to be a leader, learn how to, you know, work through my shit, right? Yeah. And like be a really strong leader that can actually do this. Yeah. And, and it is a journey, right? And it's constantly working on yourself. And I was putting, you know, everything in front of my body, everything. So the organization, the work, the baby, yeah. everything was more important than my body. That, yeah. Yes. You're, you're, the weight emotionally is on your back. For right. That. Yeah. Yeah. Carrying all of that. Um, yeah. You know, it is. It's a tremendous amount of stress and, and pressure. And then um, my husband got put on a project in India. <laughs> this is in early 2015. Great timing. Great timing. And it, we found out about this project the same day we found out we were pregnant with our second. And so he was gone. He was in India. He went to India 14 times in 17 months. So the whole time I was pregnant. It's not a quick trip. No. It's not a day <laughs> trip to India. 14 <laughs> times in 17 months. And, and it was like, you know, two to three weeks at a time. So I was pregnant that whole time. And then I had a newborn that whole time. And all of this pressure of running this massively growing organization. Yeah. And um, we don't have any family in Grand Rapids or any family in West Michigan. So doing it, you know, a lot of it alone. Right. Um, and you're not inclined, I don't think, to be one to say, hey, I need help to the outside people. You know what I mean? It so was tough. double down on that because you're like, I, it was I should get that. I'm running all this stuff. I should be able to handle my my biz at home. It was a really, really hard couple of years. And so through that, though, my inflammatory issues got so much worse, got so much worse. Um, it was a tough pregnancy because of that. The recovery from the pregnancy was even worse. And then, and then you know, having him gone and having yeah. a newborn. So I'm running this, you know, at the time, three, $4 million organization with a toddler and a newborn, you know, a husband, a partner in India. Um, all of that just made these inflammatory issues so bad that my blood pressure was really high. And that's why I say, you know, I, I almost died because um, I, my blood pressure was so high that, that my doctor kept telling me that she was concerned I was going to stroke out. Yeah. And um, it was just, it was all inflammation. Like you can look at pictures of my face yeah. from then. And I remember I got 40 under 40 that year and my 40 under 40 picture, like you can barely see my eyes. There's so much inflammation in my face. Anyway, <laughs> that was a really, well, yeah. t- it was a tough yeah. season. It was a season, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, we were, did, I don't know if we were recording, but we, we yeah. were joking earlier about seasons. Oh no, I was talking about the seasons of the whale or the the... <laughs> we're talking about the yeah the season of uh, me being on a iceberg in Lake Michigan. Yeah, well but there anyway, you go. Yeah, so it was, it a, was season. a season. So yeah, it was yeah really a, tough. a season yep. of being really difficult. And so where's the turning point where you're like, I'm changing today, yep. right now? Yeah, um, it got you know I just felt horrible. Like I felt so. Like physically felt and mentally 
And, and I had times where I had trouble writing because my inflammation in my brain was so bad. And I had trouble like even just writing my name. You know, I had trouble reading and paying attention. And I'll like, bet knowing yeah. you as, you know, just knowing you, I bet nobody knew you were going through that, like professionally. No. Nobody. Because no. you're just going to drive through it. So no. the more adversity no you put knew. in front of you, you're going to just keep driving yeah. through it. You're going to go at it harder. I was. I did go at it harder. I yeah. did go at it harder. And, and I also had very much this realization that something needed to significantly change. And I knew it was physical, right? I knew that, that this was the root cause. Something physically was happening, and I had to make decisions to change something and, and, and figure something out, uncover. And so I remember it was January of 2016 when I was just started doing my research. And I was reading about um, Hashimoto's, which is the thyroid disease I have. I had had a, a CAT scan that showed that um, the majority of my thyroid had been destroyed. I only have a, a small part of my thyroid that's left. And I had gotten this CAT scan. I was doing all this research. Um, and so through that, I learned about inflammatory issues and I learned about inflammatory diets and I learned about supplementation that can be taken for inflammatory issues. And I had just this, this, a season where I was just consuming as much information as I could about what was wrong with my body and how to fix it. And I committed really to four things. And these four things I have not Gone, gone back from. So now we're in fall or uh, winter rather of 2019. So it's been about three years since this started. And these four things, um, the right kind of thyroid medication, which I realized I was on the wrong kind. Uh, I'm now on the right kind. Um, a, a, a very clear and um, well-researched uh, supplementation process, right? Mm-hmm. Where like things that I was deficient in and how to level myself back up and, and getting blood tests for all of that first, not just doing it on my own because sure, sure. that's critical. Yeah. Um, number three is a very strict diet of eating anti-inflammatory foods and eating a non-inflammatory diet. And that's been really important. I've stuck with it. Number four, an exercise routine first that had to be very, very mild and, um, uh, you know, uh, Calm, cool, collected exercise right. routine, and then you didn't can want to stress your body adrenals. physically on top of something that was already a problem. Exactly, because I already had adrenal fatigue and I already had compromised adrenals because of the thyroid issues and because of the endocrine system issues. So I had to make sure that I was very intentional about how I did that routine and ramped it up. Fortunately, I was working with this amazing trainer who was like understood that and could create a routine that intersected with, with what my biological needs were, right? And physical needs were. And so um, that, that being number four. So yeah. diet, supplementation, the right thyroid medication, um, and exercise. Wow. And yeah, and I've really but stuck with it. Are, yeah, you can tell. Thank because, you. I mean, I'm not, I'm not at all putting it on like um, body image stuff, but just you look healthier. And I'm Thank saying you. like people can be beautiful of all sizes. That's not my point. But the point is, is that you've, uh, you are such a transformation that thank you. you look very healthy. Thank you. You took a mean portrait earlier. Too, that, oof, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, so how does that affect your mindset now? Yeah. You're healthier. Yeah. How, how does that affect your family life and just yep. your daily? Inter- I'm just curious because I do want to get back on that yeah, train. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, that's a really, 
It's a loaded question, yeah. right? I mean, there's just so many answers to that. And I think that in a lot of ways, um, I do feel like I have reversed age. I've, I've uh, you know, stopped the, the quick aging process on my body and given my body um, more attention and more care than I ever gave it in 30 years. Because I remember starting to not feel well when I was about six. I mean, yeah. that's a long time ago, right? And that becomes your normal. Yes. Right? So you don't even it know. It was. Oh my gosh. You know, I remember being in high school and I had chemistry class junior year, first thing in the morning. And every day, my brain was in this constant state of fog. Well, I know now I have, and some of your listeners are probably going to be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I have a deep gluten allergy. People who have thyroid issues should not eat gluten because your thyroid, there's something about gluten that your thyroid thinks that it's thyroid hormone and your thyroid makes less thyroid hormone when you put gluten in your body, right? So you actually make less hormone when you have gluten. Right. And I would eat a bagel every morning and I'd go into chemistry class and my brain would be so foggy. I could not pay attention. And I remember thinking to myself, how is it that everybody in this classroom understands what the hell is up there on that board right. except for me, right? And it's it was brain fog. you didn't know it, but you ate like an anchor and wore it, you know, you put it around your waist and you had to drag that around through class in the morning. And totally. And it was just a physical reaction to something. But my compensation skills are great, yes. right? My mom has always told me that. My compensation skills are great. So I'm friends with everyone in the classroom and I'm friends with the teacher, right? So I never do badly because everybody that I'm friends with in the classroom becomes my lab partners yeah. and you know, they're doing the work. It's not that I was trying to get out of work. I just had brain fog. You know, so my compensation skills are great, which means yeah. that I was able to make it through that. But still, like that was you know, I, I can have those distinct memories. And so anyway, um, oh my gosh, Brian, I totally lost my train of thought here. How did I even get into talking about well, chemistry class? We were just, uh, we were talking about <laughs> the impact fun. on your life and like what, what right. positive results are there now that you are feeling so much healthier and how, how that spreads through tentacles through your life now. So, so sorry. Anyway, I do feel I like- I was listening too. Thank you. I brought thank it back. Thank you. I appreciate that. I do clearly like maybe my short term memory isn't. Maybe know. we're both foggy. Too. But but that could that could be from other things. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I just was in this. You know, I'm in this state of life where I feel like I've got more energy. I feel um, clearer. I feel like I am a better leader. I am a better mother. I'm a better. I'm a better friend. I'm a better family member. I'm a better everything because. I have put self-care first. Yeah. And that is that's why... That's the hardest part, Yes. Right? And that's why I'm not shy talking about this. Yeah. I don't mind talking about it. I, I'm, I'm very vulnerable in this space and I'm very happy to talk about it because the decisions that we are making about our body right now affect us in five years, affect us in 10 years. We only get one body. We only get one, right? I feel right? like you're talking to me and, now, and, 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 and not that's, just everybody. Then I'm glad to do that because it's just so critical that we put our bodies and our minds and, and our you know every aspect physical, spiritual, right? Like mentally, physically, we put that all first because then we can be better for everybody else. Right. And it took me, you know, a, a really long time, right? Until yeah. I was, I didn't feel good until I was 37. Because even though I started doing this um, right around the time I was turning 36, I didn't feel good for a good year and a half. Right. And I started feeling good about a year and a half, two years ago. And now I'm like, wow, like I feel, and, and because of that, I continue, I'm watching myself level up as a leader, level up as a parent, continuing to set goals and, and, and continuing to work on self-improvement. Because when you work on self improvement you are better for everybody around you and it's just it's so critical yeah and i think the mindset is like well if i t i don't have time to take you feel selfish by taking the time for yourself and i know um i'm trying to always encourage my my wife to take time yeah. off or do things like that because we have an interesting fi family dynamic which causes 
you know, uh, it's an unusual family dynamic with the health of some yes. of our kids. So, um, and, you know, she's very much type A organized, like she's a charger and going. So I, we can all do better. And I'm not picking on my wife by any means, but I'm just, there's an example and I need to do better. All of us of just saying, all right, time out. I need to put a wall around this time period every day yeah. or this week or three times a week. I'm just going to do this. And that's the priority. You schedule like we make all kinds of other appointments yeah. work, and then right. you know when it's we can all blame the busy card yeah. when it comes to ourselves. And it's so easy. It. It's yeah. so easy. It's the one thing on your list that you can ignore, and no one is going to feel it but you. At least that day, right? Like right. like you're only accountable to yourself in those situations, and it's so because you're not accountable to anyone else. It's the one thing on your list that's easy to pitch out, and no one's going to say anything to you about it, right? Yeah. No one's going to notice, but it all catches up to you, yeah. you know. And that's been that that that's how it used to be for me for years, and and now I've realized it's not always about just that time of day where you're working out, or not always about just that time of day that that you know you choose to put into you cooking something really healthy. It's everything. It's it's what you need. What is it that you need to feel re-energized? What is it that you need um, to, to really take care of every part of your body, right? right. And, yeah. and if, if eating XYZ, I have realized, I've learned through this journey that absolutely 100%, it's the food that I put into my body. It's either you know, not good or good. There's really no gray. There's right. no gray there. Yeah. It's either poison or medicine. And and what I choose to put into my body, what I choose to consume becomes how I feel. It becomes how I feel. And I want to feel good. And my and I owe it to people. That's the other thing. I People every day give money to Kids Food Basket. They are giving their hard-earned dollars, their hard-earned resources to our organization so that we can make the world a better place. And I owe it to all of them to be the best leader that I can, right? And so my brain has got to be in good shape. My body's got to be in good shape because I have to be a good leader for our community. And if I'm going to do that, if I'm going to be the best leader I can, I have to treat my body, treat treat my organs, treat my brain like they are, are, are critical, right? Yeah. Just just as critical as the issue that we are looking to, ser- to, to the combat every day, just as critical as it is that kids get nourishing food, it's critical that I get nourishing food so yeah. that I can be a and good I leader. Could, I could definitely, if I wanted to cry right now, I could tell you, uh, I'll tell you abstractly the story, but I don't want to cry right now. But the... Um, you know, two. I have three daughters. They're all amazing. Two of them have um, specific issues that um, I don't deal with. So one battle I have from for me and myself is when I got really healthy. That was a motivating factor. I didn't have any excuses. I have a perfectly healthy body and makeup. So why I need to be healthier for them and for myself? And I I don't have a crutch. I don't mm-hmm. have a, a reason. And so part of this uh, kind of a failure that I feel from where I was at a fitness level and being more healthy is that I'm still surrounded by these kids that I love, but I'm still like, I see in them almost a failure because they work harder every fucking day than I do to just get their clothes on Mm. or get out or manage their food or their, you know, whatever it is. So it's kind of this reinforcement <laughs> that it's hard for me to deal with sometimes. Um, and, and one way it was it's amazing catalyst. And now it's almost like now that I've fallen backward and sort of retreated from the physical fitness side of it is it's almost a barrier. Cause I feel some of the shame. It's like, well, I can't even keep this together, you know? And it's, it's hard to get off 
off the home plate again, running towards first base. Yeah, I'm yeah. still like waiting. I'm waiting for these pitches to go by, and I still haven't taken my swing. I, I need my next at bat. Yeah, you know what I mean, I do know what you mean, and I think Brian, you got to give yourself more credit. Truly, you know, those your daughters are so amazing, and I have just you know watching your journey through social media and knowing you as a friend, and now being a parent. And realizing that our kids are so influenced by who we are. Right. So your daughters are so amazing because of what they learned between you and your wife, you know? Like, yes, you can be inspired by them and you can be inspired by who they become as young women and who they're becoming as people. And like, that's inspiring and energizing and, and wonderful and joyful to watch every day. But they didn't get there by themselves. They got there because they watched yeah. you guys and sure. they learned from you guys and they learned what hard work is and they learned how to be good people right. and they learned how to take care of themselves. That's from you. Right and like that's no, a, that's a beautiful I, thing. I totally one hundred percent agree. I there are all we talk about phases. There's all or seasons, but there's all phases of ourselves. So there's parts that they see my vulnerability in certain things and yeah. weaknesses where you fall down, and that's okay too because um, you shouldn't put your parents on a pedestal like you should any other person. You can admire them and all of that, but in terms of like you shouldn't ever cultivate. I don't think as a parent being completely bulletproof and having all the totally. answers like they should be able to see okay dad's in a season right, right. now. yeah yeah in a season no <laughs> i know a healthy one at the moment but he'll yes. probably pull it back together yeah i know i get yeah. that so, i get that they, they're good teachers aren't so they? i think yeah i mean part of being overall healthy is saying i recognize i have problems around this this area right i'm also excelling and doing awesome in other areas and that's who I am right now. So, right, 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 um, right. It's and, always changing. And, you, you know, you, we mentioned this earlier before we were recording. Then sometimes things suffer too, right? Oh, sure. It's yeah. like that's, and, and that's the part that, you know, we are always all on this quest, on this quest for like, you know, being the best people that we are and, and, and oftentimes falling into habits or seasons that, that aren't necessarily the reflective of our best selves, right. right? And I think identifying it and naming it and saying, this is, this is an area where I am, I am not being my best self right now and an area that, that might be um, falling behind is also really critical. Yeah. You know, like on there, I, I might be doing really well in like the physical aspect and in the leadership aspect and I'm trying to do pretty well in the parenting aspect. And then there's, there's aspects yeah. that no I need to work on, right? No one's yeah. hitting at home runs right. every day yeah. in every aspect and sure. department of their life. You know, and there's always the yin and the yang that we're talking about. <laughs> do so. you do a word? Do you do a word every year? You know how like this is like no. super trendy right now. Like I don't, do a word. I don't do any, well, meaning for myself. Yeah, like, like a word goal. Gonna, no. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. For me, it's like, uh, and maybe I should. I it, it is about creating intentionality. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, and also part of that, what you're saying is the time for yourself and creating boundaries. It's just time to just actually think about something mm-hmm. every day, whether it's the same subject. It's just pausing. Sometimes it can just be a minute or two. And I say this because I don't do it very often. I'm very focused on my my career and my family. Yeah. And that's where I spend all my energy. But yeah. I don't really go, hey, how could I evolve around whatever the word of the year is? Uh-huh. Well, I, but I What's think, your word right now? So mine's alignment. Mine's alignment. alignment. Um, two years ago, it was it was health. And then last year, it was strengthen. And this year, it's alignment. So like strengthening... Um, and, and you know, like I've been saying level up a lot too, like I'm yeah. really in this phase of like leveling up, leveling up and then being that as a leader and then, um, a- encouraging it in those around me and then really being intentional about how I spend my time to both level up personally and help others level up. And, uh, so that's been really, you know, a part of my alignment, but alignment's really interesting because, um, I, 
it's like it's like shedding off whatever is not right for you right now, right? right? And focusing on um, focusing on what is taking you on your journey and what can is I, taking you to level up. Can I up. throw a cheesy alignment Please. story in there? Because yeah. it just occurred to me as you're talking about alignment is that when things are out of alignment because yes. I had my car taken in and it needed an alignment. Yeah. And the guy goes, uh, these are pretty new tires, right? I'm like, yeah, they're, yeah, I just put them on like three, four months ago. He's like, well, we're seeing some premature wear, mm. so I think you need an alignment. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, go for it. Do align those puppies because I just paid for those tires. Yeah. They need to get me down the road right. a little bit farther. Right. How many more cliches can I throw yeah, in there? Yeah, yeah, it's But good. the point is yeah. that this alignment strategy that you have for the year is actually, as you get more in alignment, it, it's taking less stress off other areas of your life, Ooh. other wear and tear. Oh, dang, that's good. Dang, that's I'm good. The book. You I'm are. The book. I mean, that 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 was... We're a- just going to transcript this podcast and then just <laughs> put a binder on it. And then we'll... No, I'm kidding. That's all on you because you made me think of it. But-, but you know, what's important about that though too is that I think in order to be in alignment with what is right for you and right for your journey and, and in alignment with your goals, both professionally and, and personally, you know, you have got to be strong. You've got to be self-aware, right? You have to be um, emotionally in a good place and, and spiritually in a good place, physically in a good place. Then you can shed. It, then you can shed what is not in alignment for you, right? And I think that that is really critical too. And, and you can't get there without that self, without the, the self-care. Yeah. Um, a girlfriend of mine recently, you know, in, in these massive group checks, had sent out this text message like, like self-care and then everything else, yeah. right? And then everything else. And it's so hard to, remi- to remember that because it it feels like when we do put all of our energy into um, personally and our energy into our family and our energy into our work, sure. right? We, we can easily so forget about that. And then we find, we find ourselves out of alignment. Yeah. Right? Sure. Out of alignment. So, so there you go. Now it's, it's time to, time to pretty, think of, think of a, a word. It's a pretty good full circle moment. So uh, I, <laughs> I do, I want to be conscious of your time and I just want to uh, thank you for coming in. But is there something you thought you'd talk about today or something you wanted to talk about? I know, you know, I have no track record with this podcast, but you're like, is there anything you thought we should talk about that oh, we haven't talked about? Gosh, it's great. I mean, you know, we don't want to talk about the current state of our political affairs. No, because it's don't want all going to gonna change and be irrelevant yep. in a week or two. Yeah, and, and health journey is always, um, you know, at, at the top of my mind and um, obviously self-care, right, being number one. And I think it's that that piece of it, you know, if our listeners today can walk away with something from that, that's super important. Um, so short of, of talking about how I, you know, um, like to go dancing until all hours. <laughs> Hours of the night. I. This is some good stuff well, that, that's we, a that we've covered here. That's a season. It's a season. It's a season. Well, you know, but house music is for everybody, right? It's true. That's it's for true. any age and any age. Maybe I'll. Maybe we'll all join you down. Time at to, uh, Rockies, right? Yeah, right, right, right. Rockies and for dance nights. I mean, I think I, I really appreciate what I mentioned earlier. I love this platform that you're doing and um, the way that you're intersecting your love for community and relationships with art. And um, now podcasting too is, you know, a way that I think we're able to connect with each other on an even deeper level. It's like, let's let's bring another, one another into how the, the human state is so complex. Yeah. You know, as human beings, we it's are complex part people. Of being intentional. And I, yeah. I try to describe why I'm doing this but like over the years and just to re-articulate it to you uh, is that there are many people I meet and collide with for 10 minutes an hour a day to do a photo shoot or some project and there's a lot of conversations that happen that I would love to extend 
or I'm learning from people. I'm constantly, the best thing about being a photographer for me is that camera is a conduit and a passport to meeting people that I would I never meet in my life. And, and then to have this exchange of a portrait, which is kind of a, you, you have to be somewhat vulnerable and sort of trust. Yeah. So there's this exchange where we're both kind of vulnerable and figuring things out. But um, from there, though, then it ends. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, see you, maybe I'll see you next year, Bridget. Yeah, you know, wow. Or like, I don't know, maybe I'll see you at an event. But it, this is an intention of, to bring back to what you're saying. It's, it's being more intentional about let's corral a conversation and hopefully other people want to hear it too. Oh, but it really comes from that. just personal space and personal development. And I meet people all the time that I've just met. And yeah. then I have to sit with them and create a portrait, which is a vulnerable space for them to be in. Sure. But there's always an instant connection yeah. after. And they're always, almost to a fault. There are people that I would love to spend a little more time with. So this mm-hmm. podcast is just like, this is a little more time with kind of. I love I'm that. Rename it. No, that's a great concept and it's a great platform. I, I'm an extrovert, right? And, and I feel like really? you are too. Yeah. It's, wow. This is, I think, the way that we progress on our journey as leaders, as community members, as people who are invested in making the world a better place, this is how we do it, right? Through deep connections, through vulnerability, through intentionality, through truly taking the time and the space to say, here's what I've learned, what have you learned? How do we help one another? How do we share our insights and and, and share some of these principles that have helped us along on our journey? Mm -hmm. Because without that, without that connection, without those shared moments and and those shared ideas, like we become become isolated and and we become stuck within ourselves and within our own thoughts, right? right? And we're not able to continue to be better and better and better. And I just, I really appreciate it for for that purpose as well. Thank you very much. Well, we're buddies. How can people have a $5 million check? How do they get in touch with you? Yeah, no joke. Um, Well, we are always, uh, we have a huge presence online. So um, our Kids Food Basket website, kidsfoodbasket.org, Kids Food Basket on Facebook, um, call Kids Food Basket, talk talk to Bridget, ask for Bridget if you're interested in discussing anything further that we've talked about today. Um, Cash or just, uh, you know what? I encourage, we brought my girls there when they were very young. To just make sandwiches. Yeah. And just that perspective of kids helping kids um, really opens up the the channel of thinking that's different around uh, how they live, where my kids live, mm-hmm. and, and also awakens them to other uh, challenges that people might be having in their life. And to do it without any judgment, because we're all a whisker away from right. uh, having you know, some major economic challenges in our lives. That's so. absolutely right. Yeah, that's it's critical. I think kids understand. Kids can understand it. I mean, I, I remember understanding social injustice and poverty at a very young age. Kids get that there are other kids that don't have the same privileges they do or the same, you know, like we said, healthy food is a right, not a privilege. Right. And kids can understand that, right? And yeah. um, I think bringing them in to be a part of the solution and, and having a deep understanding is part of how we raise empathetic children. And we raise children who have that same North Star, that they want to make the world a better place, that they are intentional about bringing their best skill sets and what, what they do best to bring good into the world. And kids can do that, right, at young ages. It's awesome. Well, we're going to end on that. Thank you so much. Thank You're you. my buddy. Thank I can't, you. I'm the biggest cheerleader. I love collaborating with your organization. 
and I can't wait to do some other projects with you this year oh, when the new building comes you. online. It's going to be Thank awesome. you. We're so, so grateful for everything you've done, Brian. Thank you right. so much. Thank you for today and this opportunity and for using your skill set at Kids Food Basket because we just have some amazing work from you, and we'll look forward to, oh, to collaborating so. more in the future. Well, it's, it's true, though. it's been fun, though. And, I, you know, we all have limited things that we can do. You know, I try to do a certain amount of projects every year that I can do pro bono, and it has to be an amazing organization for me to even try to wrap my head around trying to do I don't say that from any kind of egotistical standpoint it's just a time management thing and unless you can really there's never a convenient time to give right you know but so when you can align with an organization like yours and you guys are so great because you never you're just like do what you want to do like in terms of the portraits and things, you have certain things you need. Yeah. But ar- around that space, you allow me to do whatever. So that's oh, we just yeah. we're so grateful. We're so yeah. grateful for the opportunity to tell our story because that's what you do. You tell the story. All right, Thank we'll go you. to kidsfoodbasket.org and then uh, get your checks ready, or just volunteer to make some sandwiches for kids. And thank you again, Bridget Clark. Thank you, Brian. Well, I told you, I told you it was like a TED talk. I really did. Bridget Clark, Whitney, uh, incredible conversation. Raw, real. Uh, it was dense. There was a lot in there. Uh, I tried to cut it down, and I just couldn't. You know, there's so many subjects. I don't know what subject is going to connect with who. And this is just one I decided I, I can't cut anything out. So I hope you uh, enjoyed that. Please visit kidsfoodbasket.org. Consider a donation. If you have a $4 million, uh, extra $4 million laying around, um, give Bridget Clark Whitney a call. She can help you out with that, and it would make a huge impact in uh, the communities around Grand Rapids and surrounding counties in West Michigan. Um, you know what? I just made a brand new Facebook page for this podcast. So search on Facebook for Full Exposure with Brian Kelly. Please like and follow us. I'm going to try to put tons of cool podcast content uh, up on that. More portraits um, that you can see from each shoot. And uh, I'm trying to clean up my personal pages a little bit on Facebook so I don't exhaust my real friends and family with all this podcast business. So if you like what we're doing, please like, follow us, subscribe on iTunes and any other uh, podcasting platforms that you look two for content have a great week man i'm fired up let's level up as Brittany clark Brittany, she's bridget bridget clark whitney says level up let's do this people have a good week <laughs>